Thanks for joining us today on the Harvest Podcast. Now here's today's message. We pray that it will bless your life as you listen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 9. Now, if you can't find Matthew, you probably ought to go ahead and come onto the altar. We're going to go ahead and have prayer for you now. That means you haven't been to church in a long, long time. And as they say for Wolf Brand Chili, that's too long. You know, if you think about it, really, Genesis, Matthew, and the book of Revelation should be a pretty sure thing, shouldn't it? Well, obviously it is for some of you. <laughs> <You're> thinking, <laughs> we should know where those three are, right? Well, in the passage in Matthew 5, we're going to be looking at a familiar set of scriptures that have become known as the Beatitudes. And if you notice in verse 1, Jesus has gone up on a mountain to teach his disciples. And as most of you have heard many times, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, which Starla has to use on me an awful lot. Well, Jesus gets to verse 9, and he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And so what Jesus is telling us about in this passage is he's telling us about blessed attitudes. Do you have a blessed attitude? Got quiet. Do you think you have a blessed attitude? Well, there's a sure way to find out. Let's ask the people you work with. Or the people you live with. about your blessed attitude. Because I bet it's a sure thing that you had a blessed attitude when you were dating that gal or that guy. You had one when you first got the job. Now, I know most of you here today, and uh, I know that you had a blessed attitude when some of you joined the church. Blessed are the peacemakers. In other words, blessed are those who can forgive. Now, forgiveness, I mean, that, that's an interesting topic. Forgiveness, it seems so easy, but why do we have trouble doing it? Forgiveness. Why do we have trouble receiving it? Why do we have trouble believing that God can forgive you, but that he can't forgive me? Why do we have trouble being able to express forgiveness? Interesting, isn't it? Now, could it be possibly because we live in a society that celebrates people for being unforgiving? 
I mean, think about it. The harder you are, that means the tougher you are, the stronger you are. For instance, if you're a strong woman, what do you say? Don't mess with me, mister. I'll slap you back in your mama's belly. Being a strong man, you cut me off in traffic, Jack, I'll show you who's king of the road and punctuate it with the single, single finger salute and a horn blast. Society celebrates and tolerates people for their anger. And then we're intimidated if we do want to forgive. What's wrong with you? You're letting them walk all over you. Stand up and act like a man. Don't give an inch. And society sees strength in that when in reality it takes a whole lot more strength to forgive than it does to remain hostile. And sick. And toxic. And just plain mad. You see, forgiveness is a big idea, and you have to be a big person to be able to do it. Little people can't do it. They're too small. They're too petty. They're too easily offended. You have to be a big person to be able to embrace it, and forgiveness is a big idea reserved for people who have eagle-eyed vision who can see the big picture. Forgiveness is for people willing to lose a little insignificant battle so they can win the big war. You know, in church, we preach about the blessings, and we organize how to get there. Ten steps to a blessed life. Five ways to receive your miracle. We watch TV. For $25, I'll send you water from Jerusalem, and if you'll put it in your caramel latte, you will be blessed. Well, friend, Jesus also taught a blessing plan but not based on steps. He taught a blessing plan based on attitude. And Jesus says when your attitude is a certain way, you will walk into supernatural blessings. But he also teaches a promise that the modern church doesn't really like to hear. Now we love to hear the promises about healing. We shout about the promises of prosperity. We will dance in the aisle about the promises of cherry Kool-Aid coming out of the water fountain. If you'll shout Jesus seven times while you hop on one foot. We like that. Makes a pastor popular. But the promise we don't want to hear is when Jesus said, offenses will come. But it's a promise. Luke 17, 1. Offenses will come. Because you see, to avoid offense, well, you'd have to avoid life. Make no mistake, offenses will come. And they will come over and over and over and over, and over, and over, and over, and over again. 
You know, they say death and taxes are the only certainty. It's, it's triplets. Death, taxes, and offenses. Now, really, at my house, it's quadruplets. Death, taxes, offenses, and Starla buying shoes. There are four certainties at my house. Most other people are just three. But it's impossible to hide from offense. You cannot dodge them. And you need to understand today that your ability to handle offense will determine your direction in life for the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life. Because God will promote you only to the level of your tolerance of pain. God will promote you to the level of your tolerance of pain. At the point your tolerance stops, your promotion stops. You can't take it, you can't be promoted. You can't handle it, you're too sensitive, you can't have it. Think about it. The corporate world, the people who get the big bucks are paid to handle problems. You cannot be an executive if you can't handle stress. You cannot be a manager if your feelings are on your sleeve. If you have the big corner office with the beautiful view, you've got to be a firefighter and extinguish the crisis. The other side of that is the less you have to be responsible for, the smaller the compensation. But the greater you have to deal with, the bigger the bucks because they are paying you to deal with problems, issues, and situations. I mean, just think about it, friend. When you ask for a promotion, what are you doing? You're asking for more problems. We think we're asking for more money. You may get some more money, but that comes with a price, more problems. You need to get that in your head. When you ask for a promotion, you're asking for offenses. You're saying, fill my desk with offense. I can handle it. I am the person for the job. And it's Sunday morning. We're in church, so let me put it in Bible language. Luke 12, 48. To whom much is given, from him much will be required. You cannot get the much giving if you're not going to deal with the much required. Another way of saying it, new levels, new devils. The higher you go, the more you're going to have to confront every day. So to my original premise, God can only promote you to the level of the tolerance of your pain. You still doubt, grasshopper? Well, Jesus taught this principle in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. And here Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother offend me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now notice he didn't say anything about having to forgive a sister. Just brothers. I take that to mean I'm off the hook. But Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. 70 times seven. Carry the zero... Jesus isn't giving a math quiz. What he's saying is, I want you to be continually forgiving. In other words, as soon as you get offended, throw it off. As soon as someone steps on your toes, get rid of it. As soon as someone hurts your feelings, forgive them. 
Don't let anything collect in you or corrode in you or become toxic in you. Throw it off. Friend, listen to me. Listen to me. Whatever they did or whoever did it, I know it was bad. I understand it was terrible. But whatever it was, it is not worth it to allow your history to abort your destiny. It's not worth it. It is not worth letting your past sabotage your promise and your future and defeat what God wants to do in your life. You have got to be able to shake it off. And I know that's easier said than done, but if you're going to be a disciple, you've got to shake it off. If you're going to be a king and a priest and rule and reign with Jesus forever, you've got to be able to shake it off. If you're going to realize the kingdom and the power and the glory of God, you've got to be able to shake offenses off. Think about it with me. You can't breathe in air and not exhale. If you have a motor that doesn't, you can't have a motor that doesn't have an exhaust pipe. You can't eat food and not eliminate. Whatever you do, you have to be able to take in and let out. Take in and let out. Ebb and flow. Tide comes in, tide comes out. Take in, let out. If you don't breathe, if you breathe in but you don't exhale, you'll stop breathing and die. You plug the exhaust pipe, the engine will stop. If your body's not able to eliminate, you won't survive. You have to have a defense for the offense. And so there's a system for elimination in every area except your heart. Your heart is always taking an offense after offense after offense after offense. And if you're not careful and strategic, it will begin to damage your attitude and your outlook. You see it in that person that you used to be. That person that you could be. That person that you were designed to be begins to corrode from the toxicity of the buildup of all the things that have happened to you. Now, we are a blessed people. And those of you who have seen my wife know that I'm blessed above all. But we're blessed. And we are created in the image of Jesus Christ. And you are a unique individual. There has never been another you. In the thousands and thousands of years of mankind, there has never ever been anyone like you. And there will never ever be anyone else like you. There will never be another you. In some cases, that's good news. But you are a designer's original uniquely and marvelously made in Christ Jesus, you are created by the Creator in His likeness. And because your Creator made you in His likeness, like Him, that means you're creative. You're creative. You know you're creative when you can take a little bit of nothing and do something with it. 
Drop us in the woods and we'll make tables and houses out of trees. We'll eat roots to survive. Hit us with lemons and we'll make lemonade. We can take anything and make something out of it because we are creative people created by the master. Creator. Made in his image, in his likeness. So we're creative. That is until we collect so much hurt that we're using all of our energy to simply manage our pain. And the result is all of that drive that could be propelling us towards the abundant life. All of the energy that could be taking us to the promises of God isn't being used for our destiny because now we are exhausting all of our power simply maintaining our history. And all of our efforts are being used To perpetuate our pain. Let me say this, friend. Forgiveness is not a pardon that alleviates a perpetrator of his responsibilities. Forgiveness isn't about the offender. Forgiveness is about liberating the victim. Forgiveness says you abused me once. That was your fault. But if I continue to regurgitate it over and over again, then that is my fault. So I've decided I am not going to live in where I've been when I have an opportunity to cut the cord between you and me and I can live in where I am trying to go. Forgiveness doesn't mean I agree with you. Forgiveness doesn't mean I think you are right. Forgiveness certainly doesn't mean that we have to have a relationship. Forgiveness just means that I have too much in front of me to allow the things behind me to leave me incarcerated and bound by you. I'm not going to wait for you to ask for forgiveness because you may never ask. But you see, I cannot give you so much power that I will put my life on hold waiting for you to come to yourself. I'm not willing to wait that long. So I'm not going to wait for you to pay me back the money. You may never pay me back. And so I've decided I'm not going to lose my peace and joy over the money. Because I will be able to get some more money if I have the peace and joy in my heart to be able to move forward. Friend, the offender does not have the right, does not deserve the right to shut you down. And besides, let's face it, some of the people we need to forgive are dead. What you going to do about that one? And if you're waiting on them to say, I'm sorry, well, it's not going to happen unless they have a Lazarus experience. Billy Bob, come forth. I don't think so. You see, they can't cut you loose, so you're going to have to be, you're going to have to be able to cut yourself loose. Friend, don't scoot them over in their casket and lie down beside them and die with them. got to let it go. We've got to be able to move on. And the reason is because you're too big to think that small. 
You're too high to be that low. You're too great to be that little. You're too, you're too powerful to be that petty. Hey, don't be like mama was. Don't be like grandpa was. You've got to let it go and move on. We respect them, we love them, but you're a bigger person than they were. And so in our text today, when Jesus is teaching the people on how to be blessed, he deals with their attitudes. Now, I've told you this before, but it fits here very well. Your attitude is going to have everything to do with your altitude. Everything to do with your altitude of how far you're going to go. Now, if I was the devil, which Starla does accuse me of from time to time, but I quickly remind her that she's mistaken me for my sister, I, you know, you just, you just call them like you see them. Just call them like you see them, you know. But if I was a devil and I was really trying to stop your progress and I was trying to terminate your future, I would attack your attitude. Because the devil can't stop God from blessing you, but he can get you out of alignment where you don't have the blessed attitude to be able to receive all that God has for you. And all of a sudden, you're operating at 50% of the woman that you could have been. You're trying to get by at 30% of the man you would have been had you not stagnated where you did. You see, when you carry unforgiveness, this toxicity of it begins to poison your soul like cancer. And Jesus says the art of survival necessitates no matter what life throws on you, you take what's good, but then you have to throw out what's bad. Get out of it what you can benefit from and then keep on moving. In other words, eat the meat but spit out the bones. Eat the meat and spit out the bones. You see, really big thinking people don't act small. You know, in my life, I've been in negotiations, I've been in courtrooms, I've been in debates. And I have learned there is a trait among great people that other people don't know. I mean, great people can argue in a boardroom, they can fight in a courtroom, they can fight in the business office over a principal, they can debate their positions endlessly, and then look at their watch and say, well, Jim, it's noon, let's go get something to eat. And I say, what? My head explodes. I say, you're going to eat with him? You argued, you cussed each other out, you made references on numerous occasions to each other's mother, and now you're going to go eat sushi? Are you kidding me? I mean, I was too emotionally invested to eat, but they would be laughing, visiting, talking about the kids and the grandkids because big people don't let petty problems stop them from seeing the bigger picture of what they're trying to accomplish. But you see, when a person's been conditioned to think like a chicken... Flying like an eagle is only a dream. 
Now, a person can get a degree like an eagle. They may even get the job in the corner office like an eagle. But they are not going to be able to soar if they don't have the attitude of an eagle. So you've got the degree, but you don't have the attitude. You've got the contacts, you've got the networks, but you don't have the attitude. So consequently, you can't bond with a spouse you have now because you're still married to the spouse you had before. But friend, if you'll let go of who you are connected to or the situation you are connected to, you can connect with who you have right now or the situation you're in right now. Friend, listen to me. You cannot grip your history by the throat and still have your hands open to receive your destiny. You cannot have your fists closed on your history and your hands be open to receive your destiny. Now, I really hate to disrespect the gospel bird, for it has saved many preachers' lives. But you do realize that chickens eat off the ground, right? They eat in the direction of their vision. They're always looking down. And they'll eat whatever's on the ground. They'll eat it. They'll eat sticks. They'll eat corn. They'll eat bugs. They'll even eat their own waste. Sorry if I ruined your lunch. KFC may be off today in sales. They eat anything. And the reason they can't fly very high is partly because of what they eat. Friend, you cannot eat stuff you should have released and still be able to fly on the level you need to fly. But eagles don't eat waste. Eagles don't eat off the ground. They fly to the top of the mountain. But as long as you ingest what you should have released, you will never be able to fly on the level that you need to fly. Why? Because even if you finally get that eagle position, you've still got a chicken mentality. Your attitude determines your altitude. But friend, you can change your attitude, and so you will fly at a different altitude. Now, in most cases, we get our attitude from where we came from. And the result is that we process offenses based on the environment we were raised in. In other words, if your daddy practiced avoidance, where he didn't talk much, and whenever there was a confrontation, he just stormed out of the house, now, more than likely, unless you've worked very hard or had a lot of therapy, you storm out of the house. If your mama pointed her finger and said, let me tell you a thing or two, now when things get on your nerves, an interesting side note, this really doesn't mean anything, but, but I noticed that my sister handles her toothpick just like my mom did. 
Read into that what you want to. But, but I'm not going to say anything more about it. Gary, my brother-in-law, saying, amen, amen. But friend, you didn't learn your attitude in grade school. You didn't take it as a level two course in college. You are the way you are because you saw it around you. Well, you didn't come into this life being unforgiving. Your children are not unforgiving. Little babies, you can spank them one minute, and then they're hugging your neck the next. Your little boy can get in a fight with the little boy across the street, and then 10 minutes later, while the parents are still fighting mad, the kids are out playing together again in the yard. The dads are cussing each other out over the fence, and the boys are out there playing catch. You see, forgiveness is a learned behavior. And I understand that when you're unforgiving, you're simply trying to avenge your pain. But the fact is, unforgiveness doesn't hurt your enemy. It only hurts you. And for you to be unforgiving is like you drinking poison and waiting on him to die. Doesn't make sense. And so in our text, Jesus says, boys, I'm going to use you like you've never been used before. But first, you need to have an attitude adjustment. And if you can learn that no matter what life hands you, that you need to just throw it off. And if you'll learn that, I can take you to a level where you have never been before. But I cannot take chickens to the mountains any more than I can put an eagle in a coop. So, friend, you have to make the decision. If you want more in the second half of your life than what you had in the first half of your life, then you're going to have to let the first half go. Now, I understand the score may not be even, but you need to let it go. You didn't get the last word in, but you need to get over it. They never apologized, but you need to get on with your life. Because, folks, if you will let go of where you've been, God will give you so much more in where he's wanting to take you. What God has for you is not worthy to be compared with what's behind you. Philippians 3.13 says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward, reaching forward, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal. Are you reaching for something today? Jesus didn't say, I come that you may have revenge abundantly. In John 10, 10, he said, the thief comes to seek, kill, and destroy, and to seek revenge. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Life more abundantly. Hey, but I understand. I understand how life is. Everyone is pulling at us. Everyone is wanting more from us. They want us to deal with their problems. They want us to deal with their issues. They want us to deal with their circumstances. So you go to bed tired. You get up tired. You drive to work tired. Friend, you were not designed to live with this level of stress. You were not designed to be a dump site with garbage cans for ears in order to accommodate everyone else's waste. And then if that wasn't enough, to top it off, you carry around a storage unit full of pain and unforgiveness. I mean, it's only by God's grace that you haven't already had a nervous breakdown. It's a miracle you haven't already had a heart attack. 
But God has sustained you. He's had mercy on you. He's empowered you because God has a plan for your life. But you need to understand that he has blessed you as far as he can bless you with the attitude that you've got. So in order to get to a higher altitude, you need to lighten your load and stop letting your past keep you grounded. Have you gone as far as you can go with the load you're carrying? Are you at your wit's end? Are you tormented by memories and scars where you just repeat the same words and repeat the same actions and do everything over and over again and you end up with all the same results? You see, it's because you're looking down, searching for your nourishment. You're flapping hard, but you're not getting anywhere. Chickens, they flap hard. Their feathers go everywhere, but they never leave the proximity of where they eat. They're up, they're down, they're up, they're down, but they never go anywhere. Think about your life the last few years. Every New Year's, what do we say? I'm going to thrive in 2005. I'm going to win in 2010. No more lean in 2017. But by May or June or February, we're back down eating in the same dirt of our despair. Friend, in order to grow, you've got to be prepared to let things go. I'm sure that you've known someone And when you saw them, you hadn't seen them in a while. And when you see them again, I mean, they don't look very well. So you ask them how they're feeling, and they say, well, I'm a little tired, but but I'll be fine. Well, after just a little while, you hear that they're in the hospital. And you find out that 70, 80, or 90% of their blood flow wasn't reaching their heart. Because their arteries have been clogged by the little thing that had built up over time. And their arteries clogged so slowly that the person never even noticed that they were operating with the deficiency. No sudden pain, no heart attack, no trauma. But you see, they had gotten used to operating with less. And so the doctor caught it in time, and he purged those little things out of their arteries that were blocking their heart. Well, Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, the word pure in the Greek is where we get our word catheter. And God says, if you'll let me put a catheter in your heart and drain all the toxicity that has accumulated in your emotions, I will increase your vision to see like an eagle so you won't have to flutter on the ground like a chicken. God wants you to realize that people are not getting the you he created you to be. They're getting you, but they're getting you operating from a deficiency. And friend, it wouldn't surprise me if there is another person inside of you that your spouse hasn't seen for years. 
There may be another parent inside of you that your kids have never seen. There is a leader, a creative entity in you that's trying to get out. There is a great idea in you that's blocked, and it's been blocked by the little things that have accumulated in your life. Well, you see, today God wants to put a catheter in your heart to drain away the pain and the hurt of the past. And I realize, you may be thinking, Mike, I've tried to forgive him a hundred times. But the pain and the hate and the anger just keeps coming back. Well, friend, I understand. And to get over it is a two-step process. But this two-step process, you have to repeat as necessary. You can't do it just once. Repeat as necessary. And the first step is prayer. Now, I know, I know the last thing in the world you want to do is pray for them, unless it's for God to strike them dead. I get that. I understand. But the Bible instructs us, pray for those who hurt you and mistreat you. Pray for those who offend you. Pray for those who do you wrong. Pray for those who take advantage of you. Every time the pain shows up, pray for them. Every time. And I realize it may not seem to help at first, but it will if you will continue to do it. If you've prayed for them a thousand times, pray for them a thousand and one times because the effective prayer of a righteous man can and will accomplish much. Prayer will change your situation, but you cannot do it one time. And then the second step is when the urge for revenge shows up, take a deep breath and then remember what you've been forgiven of. You see, God didn't know you anything. But yet he sent his son to die for you and to forgive your sins. Before you were ever born, God knew what what you were going to do. He knew when you were going to do it. And it did not keep him from sending his son to die for you so you could be forgiven. So how can we who have been forgiven so much not forgive in return? Forgive, and it will be forgiven you. But if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. I mean, we certainly want to be a child of God. Or we wouldn't be here today. Well, Jesus said then that we need to be a peacemaker. 
We all want to see God. Okay. Well, Jesus said we must be pure in heart. So prayer and remembering. Prayer and remembering. Prayer and remembering. Prayer and remembering. Your best defense against the offense. You see, friend, you've got to determine if you want to soar to your destiny or flutter in the dirt of your history. If you don't learn how to forgive, you cannot live the abundant life. And then you'll just be stuck in the chicken coop of memories. It's our decision for each one of us to make. Will we forgive? Bow your heads with me, if you would. Now, friend, you may may have been raised in a culture of dysfunction that uses forgiveness, unforgiveness, as a shield and a defense. But the truth is, unforgiveness is actually a thief and a robber. Today, there is a man, a creative, intelligent man inside of you that is trying, screaming to get out. Ma'am, there is a resourceful, effective, lovely woman in you that is screaming and scratching trying to get out. But you see, it takes courage to let the past go. Those things that hurt you, those things that wounded you, those things where you suffered loss, the promotions you didn't, the promotions you didn't get, the people who betrayed you. But you see, you need to have enough faith to believe that what is in front of you is greater than what was behind you. You see, the problem is that when we focus on our pain, it'll blind us to where we can't see God. And friend, I want you to realize you don't have to do it alone. The two-step process is not on your own power. Let God help you. Let God be there with you. If you're here today and you need God's help to give forgiveness, it's just kind of been eating you alive and it's something you can't get off your mind can't get out of your heart it just keeps on keeps on gnawing at you and you need help with being able to forgive a situation or someone would you raise your hand yeah thank you thank you thank you yep thank you thank you you know unforgiveness is such a problem in society but it's also a problem in the church Why? Because we're human beings. Now, we're forgiven human beings, but we're still human beings with the same emotions. And it builds up, and it builds up, and it builds up to where it gets in the way of what God wants to accomplish in us and through us. Are there any others? You need God's help 
to help you forgive a person, a situation. Thank you. Thank you. Now I realize that this has been a message to the church. But you may be here today and you know that there are things in your life that are not pleasing to God. You know there are things in your life that are sins. And you realize that you need His forgiveness today. You realize that you need God to forgive you. Would you raise your hand? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it takes a big person to ask for forgiveness. Just like it takes a big person to give forgiveness. If it was easy, it wouldn't be such a problem. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. And he is going to help you today. Stand with me if you would. All over this room. Altar workers, elders, would you come and take your place around these sacred benches? The singers are going to begin. They're going to create an atmosphere of worship. Now, we always conclude our service. We always save time for prayer because that is one of the most important things we do when we come to church. Obviously, we come to get fed, but we also want to commune with God. And so we save this time for prayer. And so if you would like to spend some time with God, these altars are open. Right now, I invite you to come. Don't wait till I'm finished. Go ahead. If you raised your hand, go ahead and come. And these people would love to pray with you. The singers are going to sing. Go ahead.